Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore and you're listening to Gaelic Games Europe's twice-weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. A very warm welcome to This Sunday's Game. Summer starts here. Yes, indeed, across Ireland, as it has already been across Europe, pitches are opening and players are getting back to training. It's going to take a little while for games to start again, but we can now begin to dream in earnest. Today on our show, we're going to talk hurling with the GGE hurling officer, Chris Berthe. We're going to ask him just what potential lies ahead for hurling in Europe and just why he got involved in the sport. But first, a bit of news. As energy-filled bodies are dragged back to training around Ireland, there is relief among many that temperatures will not have to be taken by COVID supervisors upon arrival at grounds. Instead, as Kieran Maguire, chairperson of Ballyboden St. Enders in Dublin, explains, everybody has to complete the e-learning module, take a photograph or a screen grab or a cert and email it or WhatsApp it to their team's COVID supervisor. They then need to fill in the questionnaire online, which will pop through to the Ballyboden coordinator. You fill it once, but then every session you have to declare that nothing has changed since the last time. We'll have to start on the basis that if you haven't done your training or completed your questionnaire, you can't train. Now, of course, for children, it's going to be trickier. Parents will have to help out. But I think everyone in this case is just happy to be back training. The club versus county circus is well and truly back in town and the big top has been raised. Offaly chairperson Michael Dignan has weighed in on the topic, especially in relation to background teams and costs. The size of the background teams, he said, 15, 20, 30 people. The whole focus has shifted. He went on to say that, I think this is a bigger issue going forward in terms of who is going to stop the runaway train, which is inter-county. A 30 million euro spend last year, it has to change as far as I'm concerned. I don't think the players should be blamed for this. Look at the quality of our games but there is a balance there to be got. Elsewhere in sports, Major League Baseball will return as a shortened season has been agreed between the players and the club owners. It will begin in July. Meanwhile, in the NBA, they are still debating over when and where the NBA season will return. The pantheon of Covidiots has been joined by world number one tennis player Novak Djokovic. The Serb has said that he is so sorry after becoming the latest tennis player to test positive for COVID-19. Along with Gregor Dimitrov, Borna Cioric and Viktor Troicki, they have all contracted coronavirus after playing at Djokovic's Adri Tour competition. Now, of course, he has said that he is deeply sorry for the harm his tournament has caused. He said that we were wrong and it was too soon. Of course, he said, went on to say that, that they played with a pure heart, good intentions and believing that they had met all health protocols. Britain's Annie Murray, he said that the tests are a lesson for us, while Quick with a quote, Nick Kyrgios from Australia said that it was a boneheaded decision. Right, so straight on with the show and we're going to go over to Germany and Chris Berthe. It's with great joy and honour I am welcoming on to this Sunday's game, someone who I know you're going to get, let's say, a puck out of listening to his story and also the story of hurling in Europe. I'm delighted to welcome on the hurling officer for Gaelic Games Europe, Chris Berthe. Did I say that name correctly? Yeah, perfect, Alan. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Chris Peter. Yeah, yeah, it's a German name. Yeah, I know. People want to know facts and figures. How many clubs have we got, hurling clubs, in Europe? 
Uh, Alan, well, first, first of all, thanks for having me here. I'm really, really feel really honored to to be here on the on the on the chat with you and really enjoy uh, talking to you. Actually, well, we have about a bit more than 90 GA clubs all over Europe, and about about 30 of them have registered uh, hurling or youth hurling sections within their teams. So it's it's about a third of the uh, GA clubs all over Europe have actually hurling teams. Yeah. Player-wise, uh, there are about fi- 500 registered. And that would, would that break down approximately 50-50 Irish, non-Irish? Would I be right in saying that? It's hard to get numbers on that, yes, but but uh, I, I would assume that it's about it's about 50-50, yeah. Uh, and again, the, the, the number of non-Irish players, again, breaks down in native players, so players from the, from the country where the clubs are registered, but we also have a, a large number within this section of international players, players coming from outside of Europe. I know you're in Darmstadt in beautiful Hesse. Your, your club doesn't have any Irish. That's right. That's right. Up until last year, we were the only uh, non-Irish full German team. Uh, we have an American player ever since last year. No Irish roots whatsoever. But apart from this American player, we are a full German team. Both in Komogi and in Hurling, yeah. Talk about like the potential for hurling, the growth of hurling, and your job as hurling officer. But let's take a step back and say, and ask you, like, I mean, it, it's hard enough to get Irish people to play hurling. To watch it, yeah, we'll all mm. watch it with great pride. And I grew up mm. playing it. Why the hell mm-hmm. did you start playing hurling? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good question, actually. Yeah, I, I, I spent some time in Ireland, like during my studies. I, I, I lived in, in Limerick, actually. For, for a bit more than a year, I worked and lived there, and um, that's when I got to know the game, and I was, I was just fascinated by the by the sport right for, right from the start. It was nothing I've ever seen before in any sport. This competitiveness and the agility and the technical level, and it was just, it was just really also the physical level, of course, everything connected with that. So when I then got back um, to Germany after after that year in Ireland, I was I, I desperately wanted to play play hurling over here in, in, in Germany. And back then, that was in 2006. Back then, there was there was no 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 clubs, at least none that I, that I, that I knew of back then. Uh, and after after some some years, I found this 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 hurling club in Darmstadt by accident, I must say, and uh, that was in 2015, in late 2015, and I started playing hurling then, and never missed a training ever since, except for when I was sick or when I when I wasn't at home or something. Listen, That's how, how I got involved with that. <laughs> and now you've been missing, of course, hurling for another reason uh, with COVID. Um, how are you guys starting to, to come back to it? What plans do you have to restart training in Darmstadt? Well, the situation, uh, as you've probably mentioned before, is uh, it's very complex all over Europe, all over Germany. There are a lot of local regulations, restrictions. And for us in Darmstadt, uh, the Hessen is the federal country that comes up with the regulations. Uh, we are allowed to have 10 people together. So ten people is is the number we can have in trainings in one group. If we're, if we're bigger than that, we have to split up the group, and no contact. It, ha- it has to be no contact training, no games allowed afterwards, no socializing afterwards. And uh, but we've it's actually the second week we've been back to training at, um, this week, and we're managing just just really just fine. There's been huge demand to go back to training. I, I suppose as it's all over Europe. 
and we, we, we can't wait to be back to training really and we're start, it's starting slowly to, to get back in. It, again, it's a lot of, there'll be a lot of Irish people listening to this, they're trying to figure out just why yeah. Germans involved uh, and, and why you like it and especially then to take on a role of hurling officer um, mm. because of course our cultural officer is Swiss. Why did he take on the hurling officer job? Because, you know, many people would even see, even in Ireland, it's kind of a thankless task. Yeah. It, well, you, you certainly need to get some gratefulness, I'd say, out of the job in order to feel rewarded or so, yeah. Uh, it's just like, it's a good question. Why, why I did it? it? It's like, I, I think it's, it's this, I wanted to get more involved. I, 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 like, I, like, the, I like playing. I like the sports. I like the... The family-like uh, structure behind it, and that's and that it's just something that I wanted to to dive into more. If you if 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 you want to put it this way, that's that's why I really uh, uh, took on the job and wanted to contribute also to this to this to this to this great sport, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's then look at at, at around Europe because uh, I I know well I know personally that you're a huge hurling man, and I know that you love it. So we'll move on from that um, <laughs> and just ask. Hurling in Europe in general. So we've got 30 clubs who, are, who have registered hurlers. I know, for example, mm-hmm. in Moscow, three, three of us who play football here are all hurlers. That's our, that was our main sport going mm-hmm. on. What, what would be the next steps for growing hurling in Europe? Because there was a terrific European Championship last year in terrible weather, mm-hmm. I think in Dresden. Like, COVID aside, what, what are you doing to make it better? Well, you've mentioned it. Um, COVID is a big thing for 2020. So first thing really is to get clubs back on, on, on their feast. That's that's probably the, the most important thing. But uh, COVID aside, uh, uh, there's been huge potential, I think, in, 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 in the, the bigger countries like France, Germany. There are a lot of, a lot of cl- there have been a lot of new clubs over the last year. And I think there's still potential to grow. Um, like, for example, in Germany, it's, it's, we have, we have, about five or six clubs all over Germany, but um, I, it would be good to have a, a, a hurling team in every in every major city, in every every bigger city. Uh, same for France. France is really growing. There have been some new clubs coming coming in France now. So there's there's a lot of potential also there to have hurling clubs in in, in, in bigger cities. And like, or, and we haven't even talked about like other big, bigger big countries in Europe, like Spain, Italy. There's only very few hurling there, so there's a lot of potential there. Another potential I see is to um, to link uh, clubs with uh, the local communities. There are some a lot of clubs like um, that have a very strong Irish expat community, and that's that's good and that's fine and that's very extremely useful. And if we could link these clubs with the local community into training, uh, even maybe bringing hurling into schools, um, setting up youth teams, children's teams, that that would be a huge thing. And and clubs are doing this. There are some some clubs that have been doing youth hurling. With great success, that's that's really something uh, I look forward to. Stepping back into Germany itself, I've got a couple of you know, yeah. questions before we kind of round up. Uh, first sure. is in Darmstadt in Hesse. I mean, you know, you're you're quite close to Bavaria, so you've got Augsburg and and Augsburg, and you've mm-hmm. you've got Frankfurt up the road, you've got Cologne up the road as well. So it's all that kind of you know kind of the uh, Rhine Main Necker kind of valley mm-hmm. that's you know very very yeah. strong and, and well linked. Um, can Germany? prove a driving force for hurling in Europe to try and raise the level of the other uh, countries and, and uh, regions? 
That's a difficult question, Alan, and we, we could probably be talking about this for hours and hours, really. What I can say is that, that the hurling scene in Germany is, is vibrant. There are a lot of different clubs. We've talked about Darmstadt, the almost only German club, but there, there are many other clubs with a very international background. And uh, we have clubs that have, uh, uh, in Germany, we have, in Germany, we have clubs that, um, that, have, that have youth teams. Like they go to, to schools and have established connection with schools. So they, they have very successful youth training. So a lot of things is happening. But I wouldn't say that the general situation in Germany could be as an example for growing hurling out in, in all of Europe. But there are small clubs that can provide a lot of ideas, energy for other clubs too. Uh, I, I would go as far as saying that, yeah. What what more support do you need? Because, of course, we think of hurling, and it's the same say with ice hockey, you, you need pads and helmets and sticks. The same with hurling as well, it's sticks and helmets. What what support do you need from, say, Crow Park or from GGE head office? Ooh, that's, that's yeah, that's, again, that's, it's a difficult, difficult, difficult to answer there. Uh, you mentioned the, the equipment that we need for hurling. We, unfortunately, we cannot just go out with a ball and, 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 and play the game. We need helmets, we need slithers, uh, we need proper, proper goal, goals for that. And um, it has always been the situation uh, in Germany and probably every other club to get this equipment, to order this equipment. And uh, and because everything has to be ordered through Ireland and then be, be getting it over to, to, to Europe is expensive, it takes time, and that's that's that can be frustrating for some clubs. But I really can't see how Croke Park can can help can help in that except for establishing some kind of uh, link like I don't know how to I don't know it's, it's it's hard to say when it comes to equipment um, unless the, the sport grows into the size of soccer where, where, where there is a huge demand for um, for hurls for helmets over here that would help a lot I think but at the moment it's just something you have to live with I'm afraid finally Chris before we go away last last summer of course the world games were on Germany had a team in the mm-hmm. native competition. I watched you guys play very, very well. I also watched the uh, exhibition game, Hurling Lacrosse. Oh, did you? <laughs> and it was, no, I, I did think, in fairness, that Germany lost. I think that, uh-huh. that Germany lost, at the, but it could have gone either way because I, I actually lost count at one point because I was doing an interview with somebody. Uh, with that, what was the experience like and how helpful was going to the World Games for hurlers mm. and hurling in Germany and in Europe. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. That's all I can say about this. I, I, part, I participated myself in the, in, the hurling te- in the hurling team, representing uh, Germany on the hurling team, but I, I also played the, the exhibition match. And I actually, I actually that's, that's probably one of my greatest achievements as a hurler. I scored a goal in Croke Park during that exhibition match. Um, and that's, that's really something I'm looking forward. I'm really, I'm really kind of proud of but but this whole experience it was just it was simply amazing i participated also in the 2016 world games in dublin that was a bit bigger like i i preferred waterford over over dublin when it comes to the whole atmosphere of the games and this to me i never participated in, in olympic games but um that it, it was something that i would describe as an olympic feeling being there the whole atmosphere it was just it was just outstanding really incredible and also the world games waterford uh, reflected the growth of hurling i think because in 2016 in our category there were three teams competing with with one another 
And last year in Waterford, we had 11 teams competing in the same, in the same category. So it's just amazing to see that growth and to see the level uh, of, of hurling that, that the other teams had. And it was great, great games, great fights. One of, one of my other really, really, really uh, great memories I have was fighting one of the, one of the American teams. And um, the system was that we always had two games against the same team, a regular game and replay match and we lost against the Americans in the first in the first match and I think they kind of thought that we would be easy prey in the second match so they went into the second game also already thinking that we would be easy to beat but it turned out we put up a solid fight against them and one of the players one of the American players um, after the after the match came to me and he had this really strong American accent he was telling me that was a hell of a fight, and that was that was one of my uh, great memory I still have from that from that game, and that was just it was just amazing. That's that's how how I see this this whole um, World Games last year. It was a brilliant experience to be there. I would do it right away. You know, it's something that everyone even I spoke with, of course, with uh, John Horan about it as well. And again, it was just this wow factor for Waterford that it was just amazing mm. and the whole thing that led up into the very last game, a, 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 a hybrid game between lacrosse and hurling. In Crow Park. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, was, it was, yeah, that's right. Was, yeah. The cherry in the top of the cake was perfect. Mm. Chris, listen, thank you so, so much for your time today. Um, looking forward to seeing you back in action. And of course, uh, we'll be sending hurlers from Moscow for sure for the next tournament. Oh, perfect. Great. Thanks for having me, Adam. Thanks. And um, all the best to, uh, to Moscow and stay safe. Bye. Bye, bye Chris. That's Chris Bette, the hurling officer for Get Games Europe. And of course, Fingers crossed that we get hurling back on the field and tournaments very, very soon. As the final whistle blows on this episode of This Sunday's Game, we'd like to thank Chris Berté for his time and wish him luck with continuing to develop hurling around Europe. And we'll be back, of course, on Sunday. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.